Welcome to The Language Lounge. My name is Michelle Ola. Today, I am honored to speak with Carmen Scoggins. Carmen, or Scog Dog, as her students call her, is one of the most intentional teachers that I have met when it comes to developing relationships and building community in her Spanish classroom. Carmen reminds us that developing positive relationships with students and speaking student is important not only for students' mental and emotional health, but that positive relationships are critical to students' academic achievement as well. As teachers head into the classroom this year, some for the first time, it is more important than ever to intentionally build communities of learners who feel safe and connected to each other as well as the content. I invite you to grab a cup of coffee and listen to our conversation about speaking student. All right. Hi, Carmen. I'm so excited to have you here today. And we are going to learn how to speak student, right? <laughs> I certainly hope so. <laughs> As That's we fantastic. gear up for the school year. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, for those people that are listening that do not know you, why don't you tell us just a little bit about you and your teaching context and, and where you come from? Sure. I live in North Carolina in the top northwestern corner in the Appalachian Mountains. It's really beautiful. It's a beautiful. small town. Uh, we do have a university. I have been teaching. I'm about to start my 28th year in the classroom. I know. Thank you. I'm a Spanish teacher. And I taught K through eight Spanish for nine years. I've been at the high school level for 18 years. Um, so I've kind of done it all. And I've also been adjunct at our university at Appalachian State. And I've taught Spanish. And I currently, for about eight years, have taught the methodology course for future language teachers. So that That's, brings me a lot of joy. <laughs> That's fantastic. I love it. So when we decided to have coffee and yes. um, talk, we talked about, oh, I love, she has a beautiful freedom mug. That yes. is gorgeous. I <laughs> love you. it. Fantastic. TJ Maxx. So. <laughs> nice. I get, I'm a, a mug addict, actually. <laughs> I have too. one every day I look and I'm like, what kind of mood am yeah. I in today? What am I feeling right? today? <laughs> Absolutely. So we uh, one of the things you brought up, which I think is great, is is that idea of speaking student. And really, it's about connections, right? right and making absolutely. those connections with right. students. Right. And so I just want to start out by just saying, why is this important? Why is this important to you? Well, okay. So I, I mentioned I'm a Spanish teacher, but Honestly, when anyone says, you know, what do you teach? We automatically go to the subject area that we teach. But in reality, we teach people, we teach students. So that to me has to be the absolute foundation of what I do. So learning to quote speak student reminds me that I have to make a constant effort to connect with with my learners because if I'm not, then all the content that I try to teach them is not really going to go very far. Mm -hmm. So that is why it's important to me, just because you, you have to build those relationships. You have to lay the trust foundation. You have to make students feel comfortable. Obviously, we teach languages, so we're asking them to take a lot of risks and to be vulnerable and to show emotion in, in another language. And so I think that being connected to them helps really set the tone for the content and the culture that you're going to teach. Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny because I was uh, looking at this and it's not just about 
oh, let's just make a happy little place for us all to be and spend time. Although that's super important, right? right? None of us want to be somewhere where we are not (laughs) seen, valued, have no connection, right? So let's just start there. Like, even if it's just to have a nice place to spend a good portion of your day, but it's not just about that, right? It's about brain research shows so much. There's so much having to do with having that psychological safety. Like you said, they're not going to take risks. They're not going to speak out loud. There's so many connections, you know, research correct connections as well as just let's, let's all try and, you know, be in this space and appreciate each other and learn from each other. Right. That's right. And I think, um, again, because I'm just going to say this and then we'll see if anyone agrees with me that (laughs) the, in my opinion, the world language classroom is the absolute best place for this to happen. Because we're not teaching necessarily, you know, in North Carolina, where I'm from, we do have state standardized tests, but world languages isn't part of that. So I have a lot of freedom to do whatever I want in the target language, which I think most of us out there actually do. So why not capitalize on that? And why not just explore all kinds of things together? But again, you have to have that, that's. That safe zone is is a real thing. Um, I've recently been attending some conference, you know, sessions and all these things, and I've heard a lot about creating shared experiences for your students um, because some of the things you might need to sh- to talk about with your students, your students have never experienced before. If you talk about travel or you know <laughs> certain restaurants Absolutely. and things, they just haven't had those experiences yet. So. It's really important that they can see themselves in what you're teaching. And so creating that that classroom culture, that those shared experiences, it becomes something that they that they can say, hey, I got to do this that no one else got to do. And that's kind of important for some kids that haven't had a lot of life experiences yet. Absolutely. And that's that just that part about shared experiences. Again, I like I'm a I'm a brain research Me fanatic. Too. I, I, I like not like deep, but I'm just like I love Me learning too. all these things, right? And you know, one of the things I've seen over and over again is again, it's it's about not just about sharing that experience, but also that that corresponds to additional learning, you yes. know, because they have yes. that experience. Yes. Now they, their brain has something to get, connect that language to, right? And so it's it's always that it's the experience itself, but it's also connected to learning. And that, we don't want right. people to forget that, right? And, and I think that is really important. Right. Uh, that's why that. brain research is so, so, so important. Um, and actually, we're going to get to hear from Marsha Tate coming up in, in November at Actful. She's a huge brain research person. Oh, so I'm yay. really excited excited about that. I've heard her speak before. And so um, what? I, another thing that goes along with that, like where are your students fundamentally in their, in their cognitive development and how does that fit in with what you're trying to teach them? It's really important that we, we do understand mm-hmm. a little bit about how the brain works because otherwise you're going to be like, listen, I told you this 80,000 times. Why are you not able to get what I'm saying? And it's because 
there's a lot going on in a child's Absolutely. mind, in a middle school kid's mind, in a high school kid's mind. We know half the stuff that's they're not thinking about <laughs> what we need them to think about. So I say and they're not thinking about what adults think about. Isn't that surprising, right? Yeah. Shock. <laughs> like well, like they don't care or think about the things yeah, we do. They're not and adulting <laughs> yet. They're not ready to. I mean, some of them are. Sure. If you think about it, you know, they're sure. thinking about, oh, I've got to get to work after school and the bell rings at this time and I might be late. And that's what's on their mind. Um, that another, is another piece of speaking student. You have to be aware that, you know, we live in this idealistic world that everybody's going to love everything we say and <laughs> right. it's not how it is. And so if you can be sensitive to what is important to them, then it's going to make a huge impact on you being able to share stuff with them that's important to you. Absolutely. It, I love that because you're absolutely right. It is a reciprocal relationship. Yes. It's a mutualistic. Right? Absolutely. I looked it up. It's, it's, we, it. we're, both, all of us are getting something from the other, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like, I mean, we're in this space together. Um, we are, we are doing things again. Something that's really important to me is connecting learning to emotion. Um, we talked a lot about social emotional learning, but that's not necessarily what I'm talking about. It is, but it's okay to, to let your students see you as a person as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to see my teachers in the grocery store and I was little and my mom would be like, go talk, to, go say something. I'd be like, no, it's so right. weird. Why, why are they buying food? You know, but obviously we need to eat. I show emotion really easily. I cry very easily. So when I'm showing like a, an animated short to students and I tear up or we're watching a film or we're doing some kind of discussion that's a little hard, and I get emotional, um, I'm okay with that. And the kids, man, if you can tie emotion to learning, you're golden because they are going to have those experiences together and they are going to remember. Do you remember that day we cried in Spanish all together? <laughs> and and they will remember that because it's something very important. <laughs> Absolutely. And part of that psychological safety part and just being safe, what, what you just said reminded me too, that um, there is that that connection with imitation. You're modeling right. behavior, right? right? You're modeling that it is acceptable to be vulnerable and to learn together and make mistakes together. Uh, and that goes a long way, right? Huge. So much of what we are teaching when we're in the classroom is not about content at all. <laughs> I mean, we love all the languages yep. we teach. We love sharing our experiences from traveling abroad and all that stuff. Yes, I'm not saying that's not important. We love grammar. We love structure. We love it when our kids use the language outside the classroom. But we are also modeling for them just how to be a good human being and reminding them that there's a lot more out there than what they're getting in my classroom. We are, we're, we're more alike than we are unalike as Dr. Myangelo says, and and showing them how that fits together for them. Again, them being as young as they are, lots of them haven't had those opportunities and just reminding them that, Hey, there's someone in another country who's just like me Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, and, and it's okay if, you know, um, I don't know, just just the idea that we 
we are like a united force, you know, and that we need to show our kids how to handle certain situations. If I'm okay getting upset over something, if I think it's, well, first of all, I'm just going to do it because I laugh easily, <laughs> cry easily. Um, but you know, it, I just, I, I just think it's important. I'm also, I, I travel, well, not as much anymore, but right. I present a lot. I, I lead, I do things and I share all those experiences with my students. I involve them in every single thing I do because I think it's really important. Um, I might say, oh, I have a presentation tomorrow. I'm a little bit nervous. And they're like, oh, you got this, you know? And it, I just think great. it reminds them that it's okay that I'm almost 50 years old and I still get scared. I'm, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I am, I, I worry about things. I, I'm happy about things. I, you know, just all the emotions tied into what I'm trying to share with them through content. <laughs> I'd love it. And, and we know how powerful stories are, yes. telling stories and humor and yes. all of those things that you mentioned, you know, we um, just as a way to connect and not just for them to connect to you, for you to connect to them as well. Right. So right. how, how do you facilitate that? How, do, besides you telling them and modeling and, mm-hmm. and doing some of that, what are some things you do to really get to know them and connect to their lives? Well, mostly, and this sounds weird, I just pay attention. I listen. Like, um, I don't have great vision, but hearing is my superpower. You know, a kid can say something in the back of the room and I'm like, hey, what was that? That was not appropriate. And he's like, you heard that? Or she would be like, oh, I'm sorry. So I listen and I listen to their side conversations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I pay attention That's to, <laughs> well, especially at the high school level, you're like, oh, it's a lot of information. Yeah. I don't want to hear that. Um, but I, I, I try to watch their demeanor. I'm just try to be very observant and are, I know this sounds kind of weird, but are they wearing the same clothes over and over again? Are they hungry? Mm-hmm. Are they excited about something? Do they seem sad? Are they concerned? Um, so I'm, I just try to first and foremost be very observant. But obviously, we do activities together in the classroom where I ask them to, you know, tell me things about them. We do some learning style surveys. I and ask, you look at them I afterwards, do. right? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Holy cow. Um, and I, I ask them, you know, I'll, I'll do like an introductory demographic survey just to get to know a little bit about their, who they live with and what mm-hmm. pronouns they want to, how I should address them and mm-hmm. anything special they want to tell me. And you would be shocked. Kids that don't even know me yet, will just be super honest. And I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) Obviously, if they already are telling me these things, I need to make a note of that. Um, I suggest to, you know, just now, again, with with the COVID and with the not being super comfortable with like walking through the classroom, who knows, whoever's listening to this, you might not have even been physically with students for a while, but you can tell a lot by a kid just being on camera with them or, Mm -hmm. or the fact that they're not turning their camera on. What does that say about them? Or they're not speaking out or, but if you do get to be physically in the room with students, you walk, I constantly walk and I look at what they're doing. Are they doodling? Are they paying attention? Are they listening to music? Um, Are they on their cell phones? All those things tell me something about 
about the kid. Um, it, that's kind of a weird way to look at it, but that's, I, I try to, <laughs> to embrace those things and not be like, oh my gosh, you got your cell phone out again. Right. Well, obviously there, there might be a reason. You know, it you know it's interesting. Yeah. That's so that's so cool because one of the things I just read this morning was about how behavior is really still a conversation. Yeah. And that's what you're saying. Like it's still a conversation. There's still things that you're getting from that. Um, and that you information that you can, if they're doodling, how can you use that, right? And how can you right. bring these things in? Right, exactly. Uh, one example I can think of, I, I had one student in the spring who was not super engaged very often sat in the very back of the room, you know, and plus we, we were all masked and yeah. I was a little bit surprised at how much, you know, the, the face part is hidden <laughs> by the yeah. mask because w- occasionally when I would see a kid's real face, I'd be like, that's not what you look like in my head, Isn't that <laughs> funny? See your eyes. And so, but, but walking around and talking to him, he, he drew a lot and he had some artwork always there and I would always comment on it. And I asked him, I was like, what do you think you might want to do one day? And he was like, oh, without even hesit, you know, without any hesitation, I, I'm going to be a tattoo artist. So oh, then wow. there you go. I can easily bring in tattoos, graffiti, anything mm-hmm. that might, and boy, he has, he just perked up and was like, yes, this is awesome. <laughs> I That's never fantastic. thought about that. And that, that was an easy thing for me to do. Again, as world language teachers, yes, we might have a a textbook series we follow or a curriculum to follow, but we have a lot of flexibility. And I, I say we embrace those opportunities instead of saying, well, that's not what I had planned today. <laughs> right. But I mean, if, if something's going to work for you in the moment, go with it, you know, so. Absolutely. And again, it, it pays off. It pays oh, off in yes. student motivation, in behavior, in connections to your content, that's in right. just be, having a place to be that is a positive you know, positive place to be, right? right. Um, which, of course, is all tied to learning outcomes as well. Of you know? course. And so, again, having the students feel like they are a part of what's happening in the classroom. I think, unfortunately, I can't believe that we are, in 2021, we are still teaching, I hate to say old school, but so many yeah. teachers are still teaching where I'm the authority. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm i going to tell you things and you're going to learn them and then you're right. going to regurgitate that information to me. That's not, that is not a, a about how, how learning works. That's just not right. how I'm sorry. And it never really has been. It hasn't been. Right? For the majority of the people. Right. You know, maybe people like me that like to comply a lot and follow Same. rules, Same. right? Yep. Um, you know, that works because that that's that's how well we wouldn't I, have done it any other way right? that's right we would have right. we, we were going to listen to what our teachers asked us to do and do them with a smile right <laughs> yeah that doesn't mean i learned a lot of it so you know other yeah. than in those classes where you feel that connection motivation and all of that right there I you love go it. so i i what I, I love that there's um there's just a part of this, you know, getting to know your students that is kind of just, just acknowledge they are a human being in the yes. room with you, yes. right? And just pay attention. Um, I, that sounds silly, but my experience, I taught middle school Spanish for a long time mm-hmm. and it's, I, I loved it because they surprised me with crazy <laughs> stuff every day. But I think it, we get so overwhelmed being a teacher with huge class sizes and our expectations of what we think mm-hmm. have to be done and mm-hmm. all of these things. And I know for me, I'm just going to speak for myself. A lot of times I just taught to 
a class, like one class Mm -hmm. of 30, right? Mm -hmm. I I didn't teach to 30 individuals. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it was until I actually moved to virtual school where I taught one, I basically taught hundreds of individuals one-on-one, did I really understand the difference of throwing something out there to a whole class of one Mm -hmm. versus really knowing those students, you know, kind of individually. So, well, I will say it's not easy (laughs) because it's it's, it's a lot of effort and takes a lot of energy, but uh, I think, you know, I'm, I'm if, if anyone knows me out there, I'm very small in stature. I'm like five feet tall. I, I think I have a fairly big personality. And whenever I'm in like a, a, a setting where I'm, I have to listen and get information, I'm constantly speaking up. I want people to see me. And not all of our kids are like that. Um, mm-hmm. And those are the kids you have to pay attention to. The, the Carmens of the classroom are easy because they're, right. they're, you know, out there. I put myself out there because I want people to, to connect with me so that I feel connected to them. But it's those kids that just sit there and don't mm-hmm. say anything that you have to be aware of more, I think. So again, it's just that it, it is awareness. It's just, it's just paying attention and it's just being sensitive to, you know, you can tell when a kid walks in your classroom, something's off or mm-hmm. if they are just not engaging or there's some kind of issue, why aren't they doing certain things? Then there, there's something that you need to have a deeper conversation with and stop worrying about all the other stuff, you know, all, oh, well, you stop worrying about grades so much and focus more on, on helping them because obviously they need, and they're, they're actually shouting out to you, even though they're not saying anything. Absolutely. If you are Sometimes they're shouting the loudest, right? That's, <laughs> if you are listening per se, again, it's not just about speaking student, it's about listening. And if you mm-hmm. have that open conversation and ask students, and I'm talking about like through reflection or whatever, mm-hmm. like let's say you finish a unit and then you reflect, um, or you ask them, is this working for you? You know, is what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis or these kinds of activities, how do you feel about them? And I, I say this, um, if you're willing to ask students, you better be also willing to listen because they will Absolutely. tell you and you can't just ask them and then don't not do anything about it. <laughs> you know, right. you have to make adjustments and you have to, there's a, there's a reason they don't want to talk about certain things, or there's a reason that they are like, oh, we have to do another flip grid. You know, I don't feel mm-hmm. comfortable with my video camera on. Um, so just be aware of those things and, and let it guide your instruction instead of you being like, oh, this is just going to ruin everything. Of course it's not. It's only going to help things because mm-hmm. you're going to make them feel more comfortable. And just from a selfish per, uh, point of view, it's not, it's a lot of effort the other way if you don't make the effort as yeah, well. Like, right, right, like it, right. when things are not going well, right. students are not responding, right. students are not engaged. Oh. I mean, that is more effort and it, it, you know, they do play off of each other, right? Yes. So if you're positive and you're caring and interested in them, then they will reciprocate and we'll kind of get in a positive cycle, right? right. Um, but I think I think a lot of teachers experienced last year, I don't know that teachers realized how much they feed off the energy of their students until last year when we had yeah. cam- cameras off, weren't in the same room. Some teachers were still kind of adjusted and were able to make that sort of change, but others, it's it's not easy, right? And I think people realized how important it was hard. That um, is, yeah, right? it was really hard to have kids that or 
to be speaking to someone, but you didn't see them. You didn't know them. Um, we were in a unique situation. We were only virtual for nine weeks. And then we went back face to face in October, which was pretty early earlier than most schools. Um, so I got to see them for the first time really in October, but again, masked. Right. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I can't really right. see your emotion. Um, and you can't see mine. I'm very expressive and I got really frustrated because I was like, I'm doing all these great faces for you and you can't <laughs> even see them. But I I didn't realize, wow, how like you just said, I I forgot. I feed off them. They keep me young. They hold mm-hmm. me accountable. I hold them accountable, but they hold me accountable. And again, I, I think that it goes back to that mutual relationship of we are literally in this together. Um, our experience is going to be different from another class that I might have teaching the same content because of the dynamic of the class. And I think you have to go with that as well and be flexible. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So while we're talking about that, so we've kind of got that, you know, in, you know, kind of intuitive sort of way even though it's very deliberate, it's very intentional that you're paying attention, that you're doing this, right? (laughs) But um, what are some instructional practices that you do that help build those relationships? I know you talked about like doing a survey, Uh getting to know them, doing some reflections. What are some other suggestions you have? Again, um, I have, well, I allow students to work together a lot. Um, a, A lot of teachers don't like that. I don't know, but I just do, especially my, I teach mostly levels one and three and my level three students actually work in teams that they're with the whole semester. They're in collaborative teams. Cause again, I'm trying to model real life, right? You probably have to work with a team at some point in your life. So I, we, we actually set like team norms and, (laughs) and set goals. We set individual goals. We set team goals. Um, They hold each other accountable and they support each other. So things like that I do to also create that culture of trust. Um, I think it's more natural for small groups of people to be speaking the language to one another than one kid to be saying something out loud to 30 other kids. Um, So I, I just, created that kind of scenario in my class. But otherwise, I, I um, give them things like a, I do a learner profile with students. And I, again, ask them, how do you think you learn? What are some things that I'm going to need to know about you that will will help you learn? Um, here's some things you need to know about me. We also talk about how to build proficiency. Of course, we throw that word around a lot, very mm-hmm. loosely. And we know that doesn't really happen until the the real world experiences. Right, right. But we we talk about that. Like I relate it to, well, we live in the mountains, so most of my kids ski. What is it like to be a novice skier? What do you do? You make a lot of mistakes. So just just giving giving them the tools to know how to even acquire another language, um, I think also helps build our trust and, and our, our comfort, knowing that you're going to make mistakes and that everything's going to be chaotic. And, <laughs> and yeah. we're going to be, and you know, if an administrator comes into my classroom, man, it is wild all the time. Like, it is, there's a lot going on and I'm okay with that. Some teachers like a little bit more (laughs) structure Mm -hmm. and I'm okay. I want it to be messy. I want us to be, um, just, just saying things that we can and, and, you know, (laughs) being okay with making mistakes and laughing together. If, if someone says something a little bit silly, not laughing at the person, but being Mm -hmm. like, come on now, you know what to do. Or just, again, just showing them that 
that it's okay. Um, so those are a couple of things I do very early on. I ask them to, to take a selfie and they send it to me so I can see what they look like and get to know them. I they, was just going to ask you about, <laughs> yeah. about names and oh, oh. like you, you already mentioned pronouns right. and ways to, you know, cause we're, you know, most teachers are maybe starting to think depending on when this airs, <laughs> either in school, just recently you're right. thinking about it. Right. And, and the importance of just knowing Right. students' names as soon as, as possible. Oh, as soon as possible. And I, pronouncing yes. them correctly yes, yes. and using their, you know, their preferred pronouns and things like that. Ta- tell me a little bit about Ooh. just some tips and tricks and why that's important <laughs> and how you do it. It's it's a lot, right? It's a lot. Um, I heard years and years ago, I was a new teacher and I went to a wonderful like seminar, kind of week-long thing at a university. And the, the teacher said, what's the first question you should ask someone? And I said, what is your name? (laughs) And Uh she was like, absolutely. Because the faster you can associate that child, whether they're masked, whether they're behind the camera, whether they're not with, with a, with a name, that's how they identify themselves. The better off you're going to be. It's like, I hate saying, Hey, you over there, Mm -hmm. (laughs) could you answer this question for me? It makes it so impersonal. And again, I want my kids to feel like they belong to feel a part of what's happening. And so I, I try to make an effort quickly. So how do I do that? Well, one of the ways I do is, is to do that selfie activity. I give them some structures, um, that, of course, they're novice, novice, low kids. They don't know mm-hmm. anything. I give them some structures like me gusta and then a list of things they might like. They just create a little simple sentence. But again, I'm giving it the, to them. Basically, yeah. they take the selfie and then I get to see them and then I look at them quickly and I try to associate their name. And again, that tells me things they like automatically too. So it's not just, you know, a quick little grammar activity. It's also, oh, they like to hunt or they like to go shopping or they like to do whatever. And now I know another little tidbit about them. Um, And so that, that's one quick thing I do. Um, And again, if you are face to face, (laughs) love it. Okay, well, and that would be my big Great Dane dog barking um, and love it. reacting to somebody probably at the door. I apologize, but that's what happens, right? That is so I, true. Yeah. Again, oh. it's just like the classroom. There's going to be something unexpected that happens, you know, You, but you just have to go with it. But, Absolutely. Yeah. So where so, were we? Um, we were talking about how names. to get yes. to know kids' yes. names. Um, I, I try to address them as quickly as I can in their name. Uh, using their name, whether it's face-to-face or virtually, I'll call them out. I'll just get, for for some reason, thank goodness, names come pretty quickly to me. Um, and I've taught. I think practice. I was going to well, say, right? It, I mean, I've you have to get better. so long. And um, I, I've taught so many kids, literally, because I taught the whole county, really. Our, we have a very small county. Um and now I'll see kids out now and I still remember their names and they're like, how do you do that? Wow. Like, I don't know. It's just something. So maybe, um, it, I don't know. I just, again, I, I think giving them their own identity is so important that I try to make it a priority for myself. So I, I'll stand outside and I'll say, Hey, Hey, Michelle, welcome. You know, yeah. so glad you're here today quickly. And then I, I just, and I let kids sit where they want. That's always the thing I do. A lot of teachers give some kind of seating Mm -hmm. chart. And again, I want kids to feel comfortable. So, um, but, but I'm also very visual. So when they finally get their little 
safe place, I can look and can remember like where everyone's sitting. <laughs> so it awesome. helps me a little bit too. I don't make them wear name tags. I don't do that kind of thing. I've never given them Spanish names. I want to know who mm. they are. Not that yeah. I, I, I don't, you know, if, if you do that, I think it's great. Um, but when I did my student teaching, the teacher had done that. So all I ever did was learn the kid's Spanish name. I never knew their real name. So right. I'd see him out and be like, Jose, what's up? And and I thought, <laughs> I don't even know what this kid's name is. And that's awful. Yeah. I want to actually know yeah. who they are. So Yeah, and there is a lot. Um, I just went to a social justice um, webinar again about how important our names yes. are to who yes. we are. Yes. And, and to never nickname give give somebody a nickname right. without you know they can give themselves nicknames yeah, they can sure. do what they want to their name and their identity yeah. but um i know for me uh when i moved from northern minnesota you know very small population right. mostly uh white and moved to florida um just the names themselves are like different like just amazed yeah. me and it and i always used to joke this is my homework some of the first yeah. week of class was i said you don't have homework i have right. homework <laughs> and i would try and get them to you know pronounce their names right I, they'd quiz me so random kids would stand up and i'd have to try and guess and we'd start have to, i'd have to start over so we spent a lot of time in in the target language but of course of talking course. about yeah their names right and yeah and you have importance. to you it is it belongs to them and that mm -hmm. is something special now the students probably i tell you what I, i'd say 15 years ago gave me the nickname scog dog and i was like <laughs> is that a good thing or a bad thing because my last name is scoggins and um I just always took it as a good thing. And so that's yeah. typically what they call me. And I'm okay with that. And unless I'm out like somewhere and I'm being yelled at across the parking lot, Scott dog. I'm like, Oh my right. gosh. <laughs> yeah, hello. <laughs> and their parents are like, what did you just call her? Um, that's and so funny. I, but that, that is my identity. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's just how people know me. So I love um, it. It's, but that shows that how they, it, they, right. they their relationship yeah. to you, yeah. how they feel connected to you, right. not just you to them. Right. right. To and be I, able to I tell that. them, I'm like, you know, guys, I mean, of, of any teacher in the school, I mean, I hate to say I'm like, I'm, I'm somebody that they can always come to. And I, I mm -hmm. tell them that up front because, you know, kids go through a lot of different things and some are struggling at home. Some are, you know, just there's a lot going on. Yeah. Um, and so I want them to know. And I very often have kids that just want to come talk to me. Some kids I don't even teach. Which mm -hmm. again is like, uh, okay, but uh, I just want to make sure that whatever they have to say, that they have some adult that they can go and talk to. Um, not that I always know what to say back, but again, it's, it's not just and speaking, then, it's listening. So absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. So I think in the other thing, the, the one that last thing I kind of wanted to touch on was the, this coming school year. Okay. And some of the differences that are going to happen based on what happened last year, right? So I know there's been a lot of talk about social emotional learning and really students are going to come to us in our classrooms in a very different place than maybe other years, right? And so have you really thought about anything in particular that you're going to do this year to address some of maybe, so let me just give an example. My son's 16. He's been in virtual school for a year. Wow. 
you know, all not mm-hmm. had any contact with any other wow. yeah. students. He was never really the, you know, a social kid anyways, mm-hmm. but this is like no contact mm-hmm. with hardly anyone for various reasons outside of our immediate family. And I can imagine there's going to be some uh, social difficulties when he's integrated back into even small groups or just interacting with each other. And have you thought about like those kind of specific things coming into the school year or other, maybe, you know, I know you have a little bit different experience, yeah, we but do. Yeah. you know, with other teachers, what are some things you think people should kind of consider? Um, again, just be aware. And, and you, you know, this, you know, how the past year and a half has changed you. Mm-hmm. It's changed everyone the same way or in different ways, depending on, depending on the situation. And so you have to understand like exactly what you're saying that kids, who knows? I mean, our kids came back and um, one quick example, again, ours is different because we were together a lot. Yes. um, Now we were split into two cohorts until, until after spring break in April, then the whole school came back together. So we weren't together very long and except for like the last five weeks, but one of my cohorts um, was really, really small, seven Spanish three kids. And I had other Spanish three cohorts and I wanted to keep them all together. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like all good teachers don't want to do too much (laughs) because we're exhausted. But they came back that first day together in October and we did not do any Spanish at all, but they needed that time to reconnect. And I was like, Oh guys, this is not, I can't, I am a terrible teacher. I haven't done anything. But then I stepped back and said, no, I'm, I'm a great teacher because I let them just be together. And so I'm not saying to abandon the language that you teach. I'm (laughs) saying that be aware that, that kids are going to be in all kinds of different places emotionally. They might have lost someone mm-hmm. um, to the virus. They might have had to take an extra job to help their family. They might have, who knows what's, what's yep. going on. Um, and so, you know, that, that first day that that little cohort was back, they wanted to play Among Us. Well, I didn't know what that was, of course, because I'm old. And so <laughs> I had to get the stupid app and then we played. And then I finally said, okay, if we're doing this, we are going to do it in the target language. So we did. And that was the only Spanish we spoke that day. But mm-hmm. they bonded immediately. Um, mm-hmm. It's easy to get off track with seven kids because you. I just wanted to hang out with them. They were so cool. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is great. But um, they they became a family and they mm-hmm. were there for each other. Like one of my girls um, had an uh, emergency, like uh, tonsillitis, tonsillectomy. And they were, we were all, everybody was like, how's she doing? What can we do? Does she need anything? And it just became this, oh, they were just so happy to be able to share things with each other. And they didn't really, they weren't really friends outside of my class, but they became a fast family. So be okay with getting off track a little bit. And I said that earlier that it's, it's Mm going to be fine if one group needs a little bit more TLC than another group seems to, or again, just be willing to listen and and to have um, conversations with kids. If you can build in time after you begin to get a routine going to conference one-on-one with students, um, then that's important too. Sometimes those, those 
conversations one-on-one, I I learned so much about the kid, but if we don't try to build in time, then it's never going to happen. There's a lot of different ways you can do that. You can have them do different activities like choice boards while you're walking around and just having those conversations. And again, listen. (laughs) Again, this is not all about speaking student. Speaking student is about relating to kids, staying fresh, staying current so that that activity you've been doing for 12 years, come on. Right. It might be time to let and, that thing go a little bit. And you being know? vulnerable to say, being vulnerable. I don't know. You know? Being, I don't know. I don't know. Explain yes. it to me, right? Yes. Teach me, show me, tell me, and then listen and, and accept that. Let them be the experts on something. I don't know. I want to know more about it. Teach me something. Help me. You know, I need to start a workout routine. Tell me what you do as an athlete. I probably can't do those things, but give me some advice. Or how do you handle this situation? I'm in a similar situation. Tell me what you did. And just let them be a little bit of an authority or feel like they're special because they are. Absolutely. Can you imagine going all day feeling like you're the person that doesn't know anything and everybody has to tell you all day long? I think that's the other thing. Students are not, it's not just our class. Right multiple classes. They're sitting through all day, right? So let's try and make this an experience, right? For them, a shared experience, a shared positive experience that sets that foundation of learning and being a community, right? And again, ta-da, world languages. Yes. (laughs) You can do anything. You can teach them anything. You can talk about any topic, even hard topics you can talk about. Um, And again, it just reminds them, hey, yeah. So one of the things that that we're doing for the school year, and I know not everyone has this flexibility, your district might mandate a certain curriculum or, or textbook series or whatever. We have a lot more freedom where I teach, but we are totally revamping our first two levels of language by making the themes. Everybody has to talk about family. Everybody has to talk about food, but come on. Can we not make this a little bit more exciting than just doing a food unit? Why do we have to talk about food in one unit? Why can't we thread it through? So we have these bigger themes now like my curiosity, my identity, my activity, my community. That's level one. Those are our four themes. And we are just going to connect them to authentic resources and social media and Again, there's the speak student part. They don't they don't mm-hmm. want to look at this worksheet on whatever. Oh, can you match these foods together? Of course they can. Yeah. <laughs> right. Do they want to? Do they want to? No, where's the motivation? So I luckily am department chair and my department's very small and they trust me. Again, it's it's not just about do your students trust you? It's about can you build that good relationship with your colleagues? Um, or if you're a department of one. You've got to make connections with other people. And there's a billion ways for you to do that. Go to conferences, join a a chat group, Facebook group, whatever, but find a way to connect with other people so you don't feel so isolated. Um, And then just, just ask your kids. We polled our students at the end of the semester and said, what, what do you even want to learn about? Why are we teaching you stuff or trying to share stuff with you that you don't even care? They were like, you know what? We don't really think we need to do a unit about the school. Oh my God. I was just going to say that. I'm like, no kid wants (laughs) to learn about school and school supplies. Like most, like, yeah, like, like that. Yeah, they don't. And so we, we listened. And so now, of course, we'll we'll talk about 
sure. schools. And what does that in mean? A natural natural way, in a, in a up, right? natural <laughs> way, as opposed to now, are we, we start school in two weeks. Are we ready with our units? No. <laughs> are we, are we, do we have everything set up? No, this will be a total learning experience. But what I will say, going back to your thought about how to adjust because kids are going to be different. It's okay. Go mm-hmm. ahead. And if you're going to take any risks, do it now because everything's going to be different. So you might as well just keep, love that. keep it chaotic anyway. It's been chaotic for a year <laughs> and a half. We know there are learning gaps or what does that even mean? Okay. Yeah. You know, come on. The, the kids will be where they are. Absolutely. Try to figure that out. And then try to have some end goals in mind. Obviously, we know that's what the premise of backward design is. And then fill all the learning episodes or experiences with real things that they care about or that they can at least make some kind of connection to and not like a static <laughs> here's, I love a, it. here's something that I've done and I just love this. Let it go or, or re uh, upcycle it, <laughs> you know, try I to, love it. Yes. to, uh, to revamp, um, or recalculate a little bit maybe. So absolutely. And no matter what your circumstance, even if you're not reinventing your curriculum or you're not doing anything like that, you can start with just the little step of giving students choice in some of the words that they know, right. Or that they want my, again, my son, he's very, um, uh, he was in Spanish, hated it. Um, <laughs> won't ever take it again. Not it's, that's a long story, awesome. but but one of the things that he just would get so annoyed and like really, really annoyed was, for example, he'd have to learn like the word vestido or dress, and he'd be like, "I'm 15. Okay, I'm I don't. I'm not, not going to wear, wear a dress. dress. I'm not going to compliment a girl on a dress because that's not happening at 13." He's like, "I don't need to know this word right. or tablecloth." Why do we yeah. teach? He's like, what am I going to do? Ask for a tablecloth at a restaurant? Right. Like, why would, why would I ever need to know right. this word as a 13 right. year old boy? You right. So, yeah. so letting, but if I'm, uh, he also, you know, played around with being a vegetarian. So that's a word he needs, right? Not every kid might need that word or want that word. Right. So it's like, let's give them, that's a very simple entry point. Right. It's just allow students some choice. And, and that's um, the personalization piece. You know, Absolutely. you talked about learning a kid's name. Well, they don't all have the same um, kind of microcosm. So let yeah. it be what's important to them. And so that's why we're revamping so that we aren't, we are, I say we, the teachers are letting go of some of the things that we've done for so long that, that might be effective, but that just aren't super up to date. And mm-hmm. this way with, with bringing in new authentic resources or tons of infographics or videos or audio or whatever, we will just generate what we need from each authentic resource. And it's going to allow for a lot more flexibility and connection. And I think I'm really excited. <laughs> we'll see how it well, I was just going to say, not only does that sound fun for the students, it sounds fun for the teachers, we right? Do given, it. given resources, we right? I love to it. To breathe life back into ourselves after being away for so long and uh, or being behind a camera for so long, it's time to just, yeah, why not? Like I said, everything's going to be kind of weird anyway. Why not just make it? <laughs> I love it. it. Give yourself permission to, <laughs> to reset and rethink and yeah. reimagine, and right? I That's love right. that. Right. I love it. Well, I think um, I, this has been a great conversation. <laughs> right. I have loved it. I hope the listeners have gotten some I hope so big too. <laughs> picture and some very practical, you know, tidbits of information. Uh, we'll put some things in the show notes, kind of some more resources okay. and some links and things like that. Sure. Um, 
Um, the last thing, so before we go, I'm gonna, I always ask all of the guests <laughs> okay. this big this question. And I just want to know, Carmen, like, what are you learning about actively? And if you could sit down and have coffee with somebody, who would it be and what would you want to talk about? <laughs> oh, my goodness. This is such a fabulous question. Um, what am I learning about actively? I guess a little Oh, goodness. Probably brain research. You mentioned brain mm-hmm. research before. But I think for me, my biggest thing in the last, well, probably probably most of my life, even though I don't acknowledge it as being most of my life, was just the power of reflection mm-hmm. and how important it is to constantly be in touch with yourself and reminding yourself to look inwardly sometimes and think, how am I reacting to a situation Um, I have the power to choose how I'm going to handle something. What am I supposed to learn from this situation? So I don't necessarily do much studying on that or reading on Mm -hmm. that, but I think about that a lot. Like, why am I here in this moment? There has to be a reason. Um, What am I supposed to do with this information or how can I help someone in this situation? So I think for me, that's the idea of just uh, being part of something bigger just remembering I'm a tiny little person, <laughs> but I, I know it. that I am I'm, I'm a part of something much, much bigger than myself. And I always try to think this is not always about me and I need to see how, how I fit in with everything and everyone. And if I could have coffee with someone, well, my, if anyone knows me, I'm a little bit obsessed with uh, my Angelou and I mentioned her earlier. Uh, yes. Um, I had the chance at a very young age, well, in, when I was in high school, to hear her speak a few times and then in college. And I just sat back and was like mesmerized. If you've ever heard her, mm-hmm. the words the she uses, and the her words voice, and the voice, the way and she says it, yeah. That she didn't speak for many years of her early childhood. Um, man, that just, <laughs> I have so many questions. <laughs> I have, I love. I, it. I love her philosophy about a, a lot of things. And so I would just love to sit down and, and say, just say, just tell me, <laughs> say <talk>. something. <laughs> Listen, I even have um, her, I have audible, which um, and I sometimes put on, like, I know why the cage bird sings and just mm-hmm. let her tell me a story. And I listen and I think she's talking to me. And of course she's not talking to me, but again, I, I just, I love that idea of, um, again, just feeling part of something. I, you know, I am single, never got married, never had any kids. So it's important for me to, to feel like I, I belong and I, um, am actually making a difference. And so I, like I said, just my thing is trying to be mindful and reflective. I love it. Well, thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure to talk with you Yay. today. And thank you so much. And I'm going to hopefully we have other things to talk about and you can come back in the future. I would love that. Thank you. It's been a true honor and I appreciate it. And I love talking about students. So thank you so <laughs> much. A, a Carmen. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today in the Language Lounge. If you like what you've heard, please hit that subscribe button to be notified of new episodes. And we'd appreciate it if you'd leave us a review. I'd like to hear what you thought about today's episode. You can reach me on Twitter at at LangLoungePod or send me an email at podcast at wayside publishing.com. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.